Hello and welcome back to season seven, our best season yet of Flop Stars, I'm calling it. It's the podcast okay. where we celebrate albums that are close to our hearts but may not have shot up the charts. And I say may because the album we're doing today did in fact shoot up the charts and spent quite a long time there, particularly if you were in Australia around the time that Pink released her Fun House record, which was one of the biggest selling records of last decade in Australia, but it was also a great hit for her internationally, putting her back in that number one position with So What, the first single. Welcome, Nick Kelly, to the podcast. Thanks, Sam Murphy. It is called um, Flop Stars, in case you need a reminding, given this album that we're doing. Well, that one person that reviewed us on Apple Podcasts that was upset that we'd veered away from the original mission of the podcast will be beside themselves today. Yeah. Um, We're reviewing a hit record. But look, the the Pink has been a very interesting one to have a conversation about because the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people when you think of Pink, people think cringe. And I am here to debunk the rumours and to deconstruct that very strongly today because if you really look at it over the last quarter of a century, Pink has released some of the biggest and most game-changing bits of pop music and she's teetered on the edges of other genres for her entire career. And this is probably the album where it all came together and felt the most her and felt the most sort of, you know, it, it brought out the the huge pop hooks but also took them straight into the into the rock space again. Um, and she, she had a lot of fun in her fun house. Absolutely. And I think the reason she sits into this flop stars category is because she's no stranger to a flop. Obviously, Misunderstood mm-hmm. was a massive success for her, but then the following album, which name eludes me right now, um, nope. Try This, Try This was a flop. Yes. And then I'm Not Dead was obviously a huge success in Australia, but she was still kind of finding her footing internationally. And then Flops, and then Flop Stars, and then Fun House put her back on the map in commercially in a big way and, and put her up the charts in a way that she's kind of failed to repeat ever again, even though the following album, The Truth About Love, did pretty well as well but she is a flop star she does know what a flop is like and i think in analyzing artists that are flop stars we also have to analyze the work that does very well for them as well and funhouse you're exactly right it was her completely in her bag finding the space that she felt most comfortable in and having a lot of fun with it it's a deeply emotional record It's a very vulnerable record and it's a very silly record at the same time. There's so many different sides to it. And she's always been so good at putting some of these more ridiculous kind of moments into records, but this really does feel like where it all came together. And I think, you know, in in solidifying her as an absolute superstar, especially for the Australian audience, this was the album that did it. I mean, a lot of work with people like Max Martin and Shellback on this, particularly on the the lead single, So What?, which was just an absolute smash. Um, and, And, you know, there were seven singles from this album as well, and all of them did to pretty much strong degrees of success, especially in Australia, um, and and told a story. And, you know, this is a breakup record at the end of the day, but it's a breakup record surrounded with fun and, and enjoyment and, and the joy of sort of realising that things suck and leaning into that a little bit. And, yeah. you know, it, it's sort of 
there's a, a common conception of, of Pink as being sort of a mum artist, but I think for women in their early 30s when this album came out, this is literally what so many women in their early 30s were going through, and now Pink in her 40s is, is sort of going through the exact same stuff, except she's kind of is going through the stuff she's talking about now. But at this time, this was a really kind of treacherous time for her, and, you know, she was going through that much-publicised breakup with Carrie Hart, who, the, the motorbike man, um, who, who left her in the lead-up to this album album and and he ended up appearing in the video for so what and this is where I think we got to know their family kind of more than anything yeah totally and also to know her humility I mean Pink has always been extremely outspoken and extremely loud presence um and kind of has made a brand for herself of being like I say what I think which is which can get somewhat annoying and tiring but on this album, when somebody leaves you, you have to like show some kind of vulnerability and some kind of humility because in a way you are left to kind of analyze your own flaws as a human being. And she does it at so many points on this album. Please don't leave me. I don't believe you. Um, it's all my fault. She really lets her guard down. So as much as she's being obnoxious and out there and and her usual self, there are more moments of clarity and honesty on this album than any of her other albums. At the same time, she starts a divorce album with, I guess I just lost my husband. I don't know where he went. (laughs) Which, who else would get away with that without it being so on the nose? (laughs) And I'm going to drink his money. I'm not going to pay his rent. And... (laughs) I mean, it just sort of sums her up. And I think you've led in really well to what I want to talk about in terms of the earnestness on this album. Pink, I think, has done so many of these sort of um, more ballady, darker love songs over her career. And I don't know if they hit as much as the almost tongue-in-cheek way of, of dealing with breakup and dealing with sadness that she often yeah. does as well. And I think there is no song that does that better than So What. I mean, it's so sassy and savage in her own way. It, it's kind of, it, it's so hard on sleeve. It's very, it's very sort of generous to herself. And I, yeah. I really, really like what it does. And it's kind of turned into this, you know, almost drinking anthem. Um, and I, I think there is no song in her discography that kind of hits quite like So What does. I mean, it really just was the most defining turning point um, in her career to know exactly who this loud, brash, ridiculous pop star was. And I think she she hits the nail on the head in terms of talking about relationships and breakups so much smarter when she's having fun with it than when she's trying to do the sort of earnest sad love song thing yeah but at the same time i don't think you can have 12 so what's in a row you know because then it does become incredible incredibly obnoxious because she is having fun with it on so what and obviously she doesn't believe every word she's saying on it but if somebody came out of a breakup and their takeaway from that breakup was so what you would be like, you're a knob because (laughs) it can't be all one-sided, you know? (laughs) So the fact that we get, we got So What as the first single and then we got Sober as the second single and then Please Don't Leave Me, it gave some kind of roundedness to the whole experience of the breakup and makes you appreciate something like So What even more because you know that she's having a laugh with it and she thinks it's funny. Yeah, I think um, that thinking about Please Don't Leave Me, I think, you know, I do say she doesn't do those sad 
songs very well, but that is a masterstroke of a sad song. You know, yeah. it, it's sort of, that's the breakup version of Dear Mr. President almost, which I think is one of her best songs. Um, and obviously that's talking about a completely different thing, but it's also a sadness, a yearning. And I think even irrelevant on, on the new album, Trustfall, you know, is another sad and earnest song that I think is done quite well. Yeah. Um, and, and I think she's done it in various different ways over time. And she, she can do that earnestness in different sounds. It doesn't always have to be that ballad space, but sometimes it falls flat. Every now and then there's a stinker of a ballad from her. But I yeah, think you know, the, there's definitely a roundedness to it. Um, the, and I think what was going on at this time as well for, for her fan base, I think particularly, you know, looking at the Australian kind of mum fan base, I mean, she was just speaking their language at this time and it led to something like 60 Australian shows. She was basically living here for like three months or so. Yeah. I think this is really, she was already a megastar in Australia, but I think this was the tour that solidified that kind of separation between Australia and the rest of the world in terms of their their pink yeah. standard. Um, you know, this has been basically a career that's been, you know, it, it started very much out of the US, but I think the Australian audience thing has just grown and grown and grown and become just absolutely absurd. I mean, she is the second second highest ticket seller of all time in Australia to the Rolling Stones at number one. And it's not far off either. Um, the, the stats are that, and, and this does not include the tour that went on sale a week before we recorded this. Um, she's sold two and a half million tickets in Australia, which is one in every 10 Australian people has bought a ticket to see Pink in essence. It's insane. I'm, I'm not sure if the rest of the world understands quite how big Pink is in Australia. Yeah. And it's an inexplicable level of fame that she has there people love her like they're like she is australian and i think it is because australians are quite self-deprecating they're quite loud they can be quite obnoxious they would like to think of themselves as an honest bunch and i think pink encapsulates that kind of idea that australians have of themselves or at least like your classic middle class run-of-the-mill australian and she's just tapped into it we're not saying that she's tiny in the rest of the world, though. I mean, you would say household name. No, no, not at all. World, right? I w- yeah, definitely a household name. She's one of the biggest pop stars of the past two decades. But when her popularity dips anywhere else, it remains in Australia. So, for example, yeah. So What was number one in the US um, and in Australia for this record. That was her first number one in the US since Lady Marmalade and her only what? solo US number one at that time. That which is, is kind which is quite wild to think of. But no other song from this album made it into the top ten in the US. Flick to Australia and four singles made it into the top ten and all the other singles charted. So it just goes to show like that they were pushing singles from this album on Australian audiences that wouldn't have even been considered singles in the rest of the world. Bad Influence, for example, was a big single in Australia that was probably forgotten around the rest of the world. So I don't know, like, what is going on, but Australians just bloody love her. And they remain loving her. Frickin' Cover Me in Sunshine, which wasn't a hit anywhere else in the world not even close to being a hit i saw was a top 10 record in australia it was a quintessential bit of radio on (laughs) in that year which would have been what 2019 i think that came out or 20 yeah 20 it would have been 2019 2020 Um, absolutely insufferable song 
because it encapsulated everything that is loved about Pink in this country, which is that she's this not-so-perfect mother, which I think yeah. endears itself to Australian audiences in a strangely good way. I, I would dare say part of the reason for that is I think Australian parents are more happy to own their shit and own the fact that they're not a good parent than I think I see in this sort of culture of, of, the, of the States and the UK. I think people put on a front and there's still a yeah. bit of that in Australia for sure. But I think th there's almost an expectation that parenting is hard and that motherhood is hard in Australia. And I don't see that as much in the other, in, in the other territories. And I think that's because that, that's why Pink's endeared herself so much to this country is because she has expressed that for a long time, that she's not the perfect mother. She's not the perfect woman. She's not the perfect wife. She's constantly been trying to find the balance yeah. between what's expected of her and who she actually is and what she actually wants to achieve in the world. And I think you now, you now see her and hear her quite happy with the balance that she's struck. And she's even talking about the, the uh, summer carnival tour that she's bringing to Australia in 2024 and they planned the whole thing around Willow's um, got uh, doing a musical and they planned the whole thing about around her musical dates and like it's kids first and then it's the rest of the shit and I think you know Sounds I think people have enjoyed terrible. it's I have no interest in going to see this musical without a doubt um, and it's going to be a nightmare wait where's she forth. doing the musical in America so I think they're going back and forth while the summer carnival tour takes its place but um Oh my God. That tour, the tour that she's doing in Australia that this time. That kid can't sing to save a life. They should stop this <laughs> musical shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> what about the other kid? The poor... Did you watch the documentary, by the way? Uh, no. It was good. But that poor other child of theirs, Jameson, is just a completely different animal to this Willow child. <laughs> and... It's completely different, and he's like he's like he's like into skateboarding and stuff, and and Willow's into like singing and girl things, and it oh was just it was very juxtaposed. They'll do a reality um, show one day, surely. They absolutely will, and yeah. I think this tour for her in Australia in 2024 is going to be interesting. It's her first time in stadiums, so she's doing. I think she's doing three Melbourne stadium shows. Um, which is, again, just obnoxiously large and yeah. I think there's going to be more added. But they're, they're truncating the tour this time. It's not going to be 60 shows over three months. It's mm. going to be something like 10 or 12 shows over, like, three weeks yeah. instead. Gosh, um, it's wild. It is, it is an insane phenomenon, the Pink Australia connection. And, but I think we've kind of worked out why, you know, it endears itself. And I think this was the album that really kind of did the heaviest of lifting on yeah. doing that. But yeah, it did the heavy lifting in Australia, but it also did the heavy lifting globally mm. as well because it put Pink very much back into the zeitgeist. Obviously, like the previous album, I'm Not Dead, did that in some way and it had some big singles. But yeah. at the same time, that album, I think, can rub people the wrong way. Stupid Girls, for example, is... Uh, like has aged very poorly and is a very, very. critical look at um, her pop can her pop peers in kind of an unfairly elitist manner, and I yeah. think that some people as well, even though the message of Dear Mr President was absolutely correct to people who were sitting on that side of politics, it could also be seen as elitist also. And then yeah. you've got songs like Cause I Can, You and Your Hand. It's an extremely in-your-face record from start yep. to finish. And 
I guess on Funhouse, that's sanded down a little bit and it comes back to this humility thing. And she is at the centre of this record and she's not really looking at what's going on in the rest of the world for the majority of the album. This is very personal from start to finish and you don't get a song like You and Your Hand or um, Dear Mr. President at all. And I think that kind of sat better with people, to be honest. Um, and and it's the reason why she obviously got her first number one with it and the reason why that she was just put back into the mainstream. And then actually I was looking at what The Truth About Love did the other day and it had some massive singles in the US as well, which yeah. I didn't realise that was such a big album for her too. But yeah. I think people connect to her best on the songs where she's the most personal She's the most introspective, regardless of whether she delivers that with with honesty and sadness or with just this like obnoxious confidence that she has. Yeah, it all um it all felt and I feel like with this album, this is where all of those kind of traits that make her successful kind of came together because you're right, this wasn't as abrasive, although it still was honest and it still was harsh at points and, you know, going back to So What again, I yeah. mean, that's a very harsh, you know, harsh record, but it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's encased in fun. And I think that's what allowed people to access it, access it a little bit more. Well, um, you've hit the nail were, on the head because the she, she did originally want to name the album Heartbreak is a Motherfucker. Which is um, the most pink name of all the time. The most pink name. It probably would have killed its any commercial <laughs> viability that it had. And she said, it's not just a breakup album. There is a lot of that, but there is fun happening too. And that's why I named it Fun House in the end. Which what is right, because when you think of the title track Fun House, it's a bit of a like a sad sort of breakup song, but it's delivered with this like kooky fun to it that just is yeah. such a juxtaposition between the production and the actual lyrics of it. So I think that Funhouse was really the most apt name for the album in the end. Well, it's just this devastating kind of metaphor for what living in a breakup feels like. You know, yeah. it, 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 you're you're surrounded by the things that I'm. <laughs> this is gonna be the deepest dive into a pink lyric I've ever done. But it literally does feel like that. You're you're in this world that's familiar to you, that you're aware of, and you have such incredible memories of. But now it's full of evil clowns. Yeah. And it's you know it, it's it's now surrounded by all these this sadness as well, and the the happy memories are kind of warped by the sadness of living in in the same environment and in the same world, yeah. but with this new context and. And I think it probably, it, 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 I'm, I'm glad she found that for the album title as well, because I think it really is a good metaphor for the feeling of, for the feeling of a breakup and in the middle of it, before you've kind of been able to come out with some, some, um, some reflection and, and be able to see the positives more than the negatives, you do yeah. get everything warped in the negativity. Um, when you've gone through that breakup and of course they got back together eventually anyway. So the album's basically moot. They did, yeah. The album means absolutely shit all because everything that's said in it is an absolute lie. A marketing (laughs) stunt. (laughs) And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye! (laughs) Flop stars. Let's move into a song game. We're going to put some of the pink songs from this record up against other heartbreak anthems from... Pop Queens. Mm. So the first mm. one, So What, first single. I know, I 
verses, a similarly obnoxious song, We Are Never Getting Back Together by Taylor Swift. Oh, that's a really, really hard one because you don't get much more. Like the first song you think of with breakup, modern breakup anthems is We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Yeah. And it's so difficult to put these two together because I think We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together is much more sort of, it's it's much more classic, I suppose, in a way, but it's also, I also see that song as a little bit childish at points. Yeah. I think it's a little bit juvenile. Um, whereas I think So What kind of approaches it in a mature but still fun and funny kind of way. Um, this is <laughs> mature a weird, is a great word to yes. use for a song that starts with, I guess I just lost my husband. Lost my husband. I don't know where he went. <laughs> I got my rock moves. Um, it's actually really, I thought I was going to go straight for Taylor, but I actually think this is quite nuanced and a lot harder than I thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's just because I'm in a pink mood at the moment with the new album and everything. I, oh, I'm going to get crucified for this, but I'm going to go with So What, to be honest. I think it's just more of a... I think it was a braver song to put out. I think it was a, a bigger and braver track. Yeah, you know what? When I put Taylor Swift into this song game, I thought that I was going to go, we are never getting back together as well. But you're right, like... So We Are Never Getting Back Together is not one of Taylor Swift's better songs. Um, the speaking bridge is really annoying on it, where for some reason I find the speaking parts of So What like kind of <laughs> funny and endearing. Check my flow. Oh. They're both very dorky songs, but maybe the dorkiness of So What is funnier than the dorkiness of We Are Never Getting Back Together. Maybe So What is just more self-aware. Maybe that's, that's yep. why. And I just think that it was such a raucous song to put out. So ridiculous. Putting your ex-husband in the music video is like just so pink. It's so hilarious. So I'm going to go with So What for this as well. I'm so, I was so nervous saying that because I thought I was going to get crucified by you first. And then we'll put this on TikTok and we'll get crucified as well. But... (laughs) I'm glad that we're backing this into the hill. We're backing, we're digging our heels in. And you know what? I don't care because I got my rock moves and I don't need the Swifties. I've got a brand new (laughs) attitude, okay? And I'm going to wear it tonight. And you know what? You're a tool. (laughs) Not you, the the people who disagree with us. You are a tool as well, but not That's correct. (laughs) One of the great tools. Not the smartest tool in the shed either. (laughs) Please don't leave me. Versus Already Gone by Kelly Clarkson, who I would imagine shares a pretty similar fan base to Pink. I mean, I'm a Pink diehard for life and a Kelly stand for life, so... Well, you've been... You know, I think we've said it on this podcast multiple times, you are the Kelly stan. Like, you're the the biggest Kelly stan. The only one. Yeah. And have been for a long time. Yeah, her singular stan. Um... You should go and co-host her show with her. It'd be a bit of fun. I love you say that like it would be easy for me to just send an email and be like, I'm available. You're in America. Do it. Um, I I think Pink doesn't do a better ballad really than Please Don't Leave Me. Yeah. And I think it sort of sits in the same world as Sober and almost Beautiful Trauma as well. Though Beautiful Trauma's got a bit more sort of up and aboutness to it. But I think when she's in that sort of strings... Kind of worlds, it's kind of nice. Um, 
And I think she speaks so openly and realistically about that feeling. Um, and then da 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 da. One of the great melodies. Um, and it's easy to do in a jazz style. Um, but Already Gone is also one of the most heartbreaking songs in the world. So I don't know. I, I think I'm going to have to go pink again, though. It's only just. And I think it's. I think that I like them both for different reasons. I think Kelly's is a bit more dramatic and Pink's is a bit more understated. And I think I'm going to go with the understated, which is kind of the opposite of what I did with the last track. Which is amazing that we're calling Pink the most understated because she is never the most <laughs> understated. But yeah, on Please Don't Leave Me, she unlocked a total new vibe for her songwriting that I think really suited her. And I like believed yeah. her outside the character of Pink. I think Please Don't Leave Me is Alicia Moore, if you will. Um, so true. So true. And Already Gone is a, a like mighty vocal performance from Kelly. Um, yep. A great Ryan Tedder produced track, but I just, uh, I don't know. I think Please Don't Leave Me is maybe taps into the emotion a little clearer than Already Gone does. And maybe that's yep. a production thing. Maybe it just feels a little rawer. So I'm also going to go Please Don't Leave Me unless Not Kelly wants me to co-host the show with her. And then in <laughs> that case, fuck Pink. <laughs> I didn't expect this. It's Super telling, big. It's Can she win the entire game? I don't think anyone's ever done that before. No, it'll be a really, really strong effort. We and, currently and have members from the Australian Army. You can't see because this is audio, but they are behind us with guns to our head. So um, we yep. are obliged to only say positive things about pink. <laughs> yeah, the AFP global operatives are at Sam's house. In the background. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, Funhouse, title track. Versus the biggest song in the world right now, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Bloody hell, that's hard. This is very hard because it's fresh in my mind and I don't yeah. have as much time on it. And you know what? Flowers is currently sitting as one of those songs that I'm not sure whether I'm going to get sick of. And I think I'm bordering on sick of it at the moment. Mm -hmm. But that happened with all of these pink songs and has happened with every pink song because I work in commercial radio where we play the song every 45, every 45 minutes. Um, this is a very, very difficult one. But I think what I was saying earlier about the, the good, I, I think the bonkersness of Funhouse and the good metaphor um, is... <sighs> This is really difficult because Flowers is also a very good, it's just very smart lyrically without being too intense and too mm. brash. Um, and it will, st it will stand up, but I'm unsure whether, this is hard because they're both, and they're both breakup songs about specific people and we know who the person is in both of them. And I just think Funhouse is more original. I'm going to go with that. Funhouse is a more original mm. idea. Yeah, I can echo all your thoughts with this one. Yeah, I'm not sure how it. Flowers is going to age for me. And this era yeah. is starting to give me Malibu vibes a little bit and it's scaring yeah. me. Sorry, I just mm -hmm. had to take a sip of water. Um, <laughs> but I'm going yeah. to go Funhouse. You're going to go Funhouse? Yep. 
Yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to have to go Funhouse as well. Hey! I think they both sit in very similar pockets, but I think the the lyrics of Funhouse are way more specific, way more, way cleverer, way more charisma than Flowers has. I think the lyrics yep. of Flowers could be sung by anybody, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Funhouse too. That's three for Great. Pink. That's huge. Final one. Let's see if we can make it a clean, sweet pink in the song game. Final one is I Don't Believe You. Versus Easy On Me by Adele. Oh, come on. She's got to get this one to get the full sweet. This is very, very difficult. Now I want her to get the full sweet. Um, But you can't rig it for that. No. Um There's a finality to Easy on Me that doesn't exist in I Don't Believe You, I think. Yep. Lyrically, you know? I think there's a more mm, I don't even know how to explain it. But there's also, you know, I talk about classicness a lot in these conversations and I really yeah. think that that exists quite strongly in Easy On Me. And I think it was an instant classic. Yeah. Whereas I Don't Believe You is a beautiful song, but I think it's possibly one of those pink songs that borders on the line of being a little bit too earnest and not suiting what I need from a pink song. Yeah. Um, I think I don't think I can go away from Adele on this one. Sorry, sorry Alicia. I'm going to go with Adele. Bum, bum. I'm agreeing with you on everything today. Everything you've said about Easy On Me rings true. Yeah. I Don't Believe yeah. You For Me is one of my favourite songs on Fun House. And yeah. I like the earnestness that she gives on it. And I think the melody's beautiful. Mm. It's just, you're right, like Easy On Me is a is a classic. From the, from the minute you first hear it, it's a classic. Um, whereas I Don't Believe You isn't, and it wasn't a single, obviously, and it kind of f- can fall into the background a little bit. That would never happen with Easy On Me, and perhaps this is an unfair matchup, but I've got to go with Adele as well. <laughs> That's the biggest problem. It is an unfair matchup. Let's be very real about that. Um, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, dear. Sorry, Pink. <laughs> Sorry. It was so close. So close. Let's talk about the critics. Flop stars. Yeah, let's talk about what the critics said. So 69 out of 100 (laughs) score on Metacritic. Um, Rolling Stone were very mean about it, but I actually, they weren't really mean about it. They gave it a three out of five, and I agree with their statement that it would be more fun if Pinkies went easier on the bad love songs, which is true. But there's only, only a few that you'd sort of, trim down to because you you were right what you said earlier when I was saying I don't like the earnestness on it it's needed to counterbalance the raucousness of things like so what um and bad yeah influence. but do you think she needed more so what's and bad influences because when you look at the track list they're really the only funhouse bad influence so what are really the only mildly yeah. upbeat yeah, humorous that's a good songs points it probably did, to be honest. Yeah, it probably did. It probably needed a little bit more of like a true love featuring Lily Allen from The Truth About Love. No, um, do you really like that song? We've talked about this before on another episode. And yes, I do like that song oh. a lot. 
I hate that song. See, it's silly. It's silly and it's fun. But and it belongs on the in the fun house. You want that song for fun house? Yes, please. And take it off the record called "The Truth About Love," a song called yeah. "True Love." Yeah, it's not called "The Truth About Love." the The song's not called "The Truth About Love." It doesn't need to be on there. Ooh, it's in also fact, not a heartbreak even, song at all. I would arguably say it's weirder that it's on "The Truth About Love" when it's not called "The Truth About Love" and it's just called "True Love." I think it should be on another <laughs> album. Well, we're about to do Lily Allen, so it'll, oh, yeah. it will come up. We've got another opportunity to talk about this stupid song. I love that we used to embargo what we were doing, like the week after or the week after that, and now we just talk openly. Now we about just say it. it. Well, I don't know if it's next week or the week after. It's it's coming up though. Oh no, it is next week. It is next week. Yeah, it is next, it's week. next week. The week after. So there you go. Oh Have my god, after. you're just giving all of them. <laughs> you gave the first one away. <laughs> Um, what did the other critics say? Uh, Billboard gave it an eighty out of a hundred. I don't. Th- I think Metacritic says they gave it an eighty. I think they probably would have It'd given it a much more appropriate four out of five or something. Yeah. Um, on her confident fifth album, the multi-platinum hit maker attacks her recent divorce in all styles. Wow. I think that's necessarily a- true. I think it's one of her more um, sonically cohesive records. Yep. Mood-wise, she definitely great. jumps around a bit, but that's not true. So yeah. Uh, Bad read by Billboard. Um, Spin also gave it an 80 out of 100. Pink has never been less cool. She's hot-blooded <laughs> throughout, and it suits both her pipes and a female pop genre that rarely embraces this much tangible pain. I think that's bang on, actually, Slade. A great Spin. statement. Well done, yeah. Spin. Whoever was at Spin eight, 11 years ago, you've nailed it. You've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you've absolutely. We're sending you a, a flop stars calendar in the mail. <laughs> we should start sending mugs out because I've got a mug now. I've got a Flopstars mug. Well, are you going to pay for that? No. I got How- my Flopstars mug um, as a Secret Santa present. Someone got it done at Vistaprint. Um, <laughs> Why are really you drinking good. out of it? Because it's sitting on my desk and it doesn't like, it's not as ceramic as I like my coffee in. So it's just sitting on my <laughs> desk. Effectively. What do you mean? How ceramic well, do you need your coffee cup? Like, this is like a thick black ceramic and the one, like, you can hear it almost. And the one they've given me is lovely, but it's like a a basic glass kind of feel. And the other problem was that when I was on holidays for two and a half weeks, I left coffee in the bottom of it and I came back and it was mouldy and now I'm scared to drink out of it. So there's the real problem. Yeah, that was the problem. Um, (laughs) But this tangible pain that we talked about, which I also felt when I had to wash that um, fucking mug out. um, (laughs) Your, Your mug album incoming. Feet Demi yes. Lovato. I mean, who else was releasing at this time when this album came out? It's kind of this was kind of Rihanna, Katie sort of time, wasn't it? And and yeah, real definitely. Yeah, and and it, I think that's very true. I think they were being much more playful with the records, and there was a lot more fun going on. And this is kind of that EDM pop era that we were talking about. Um, and, and even Taylor was kind of having a lot of fun with it at the time as well and, and kind yeah. of making these more silly records of her career, whereas Pink was really embracing the, the reality of her pain and the honesty of her pain, and I don't think that was being done much at the time by pop music. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think you're completely right, and I think the only other person who was perhaps addressing it with that kind of um, maturity but also angst and and vulnerability was kelly clarkson but i don't think 
I don't think Kelly strikes a nerve quite as much as Pink does with these songs. And, Mm. I mean, obviously you've got songs like So What and Bad Influence, which are silly, but then you've got a song like Mean where she just says something like, how did we get so mean? And Mm. I don't think that any other pop star at the time perhaps had the age of or maturity to look at their situation like that. This just feels like a very real record, as as silly as it does get. Yeah, because I think we talk a lot about the human experience and how, you know, heartbreak and mourning and grief are, are a, a sum of so many emotions, you know? Yeah. It's not one, it's not one through line. Um, you know, sadness sadness warps into almost wickedness at points and this yeah. almost disbelief at points where you kind of have to laugh about it and giggle about it to make it make sense. Um, and I think that's what she does very, very well. And I think she puts the right amount of giggles into what is quite a sad album and, and talking about such a sad and, and genuine period of, of mourning in her life. I mean, Adele is somebody who addresses like heartbreak very vividly but mm. while Adele is a very humorous and charismatic person in the flesh, she rarely brings that to her music. Whereas Pink is able to bring that mode to her music as well, which is quite difficult to do when you're talking about yeah. such a serious subject. It's very hard to go through a breakup, go through all the emotion of it, and then put it into a song like Funhouse. Like, it's... Yeah. Sometimes you feel like you're disrespecting the situation a little bit, you well, know? Especially when it's an artist like Pink who has a fucking incredible voice as well that can yeah. carry heartbreak so well. If you can also carry humor, that is a proper power. Because I remember late last year when Olivia Newton John passed away, everyone yeah. was losing their minds because they had forgotten that Pink can actually sing and bring people to tears with that voice of hers, but she can yeah. also carry ridiculous chainsaw wielding moments. Yeah, at the same she's time. an underrated vocalist, isn't she? Hundred percent, because people focus on the content and people focus on her personality more than they worry about the voice. And when you were talking just then about, um, you know, about Adele and how she doesn't bring much of that humor over, you're making me think of Lewis Capaldi as well, who absolutely is probably the epitome of that—the saddest fucking music. It is so devastating, and there's no fun in it but yeah. the most fun and charismatic personality. And I don't think it would work if, if he was doing fun songs and if he was bringing that humour into the music. He definitely brings a sort of, there's a personality to it and there's definitely, you know, a conversational style to it at points, but it, it's not funny and it's not, it's not yeah. you know, humorous. Um, I really think Pink is one of, and, and I think Katie probably does a really good job of this. I think Katie can bring a lot of sort of, she can convey that joy and that silliness. Yeah, but I don't think she digs as deep as Pink would. Like, I can't imagine getting a Please Don't Leave Me from Katie. No. Instead, you'll get Smile. I mean, Taylor will go pretty deep on a breakup record, but even We Are Never Getting Back Together, that's not really funny. It's just a little bit like camp, you know. It's a 14-year-old girl writing Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little juvenile. Let's um let's go into a game. Flop stars. I am going to. Do you remember the fu- the so what video? Yes. So when she is with her ex or her now husband again, father yep. of her children, Kerry Hart. Um, mm-hmm. there are 
a bunch of headlines that fly around them. Oh, this is great. I am going to read out headlines and I want you to tell me whether this is a headline that appeared in the video or didn't appear in the video. If it didn't appear in in the video, it's still a real headline. Okay. Okay, so, you you, uh, I mean. so I'm working out what one she actually put into the video. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, yep, hit me. Okay, the first one is Pink's Wild Party Causes Heartbreak. <sighs> wild Party Causes Heartbreak. Um, yeah, I reckon that would have been in there. I reckon, I reckon she would have put that in the video because it's not particularly, you know, brutal. Yeah. That was in the video. And I- Heartbreak was spelled H-A-R-T. Break. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. From whoever wrote that. Very good. Yep. Well done. Job at the Murdoch Press for you. <laughs> <laughs> Pink and Carrie Dog Dilemma. Hmm. Dog Dilemma. Was this about them trying to work out who was going to take custody of their dog at the time, potentially? Um, I don't reckon that would have gone into the video. I think that was probably a, par- a private matter to be worked out. Uh, more private than some of the stuff in the video. You're correct. That was. Yes. Not in the video. Okay. Heartbroken Pink Sings the Blues. Oh, that's good. Um, I reckon that's a review headline, not a a headline from the video. No. That was in the video. Also spelt heart, (laughs) H-A-R-T, broken. (laughs) Well done, everyone. Pink's X Games Begin. Oh, Pink X. So X Games, now I know this, X Games is also the name of the motocross championships that Kerry was, is sometimes does. Yeah. Um, so, but it also means ex-partner games. So another great pun, and I reckon that would have been in the video. You are correct. That was in the video. Yes, thank you very much. Great. Um, temporary Lesbian Pink. Headline or tweet? <laughs> or start of a headline? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I reckon in the video, because she's not shy of um, of uh, accepting her faux lesbian status. So I'm going to say that was in the video. Incorrect. That was a headline. Damn it. Um, Carrie Hart in the pink, question mark. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's very... So vulgar. Very hot in the pink. Oh no, I don't like it. Not in the pink. No, <laughs> not in the video. I fucking hope. <laughs> that was. It was a headline, not in the right. video. Okay, good. Yep, good. Okay, and then final one. Pink turns to Scientology. <laughs> I reckon she's thrown that in the video just for shits and gigs. That's good gear. <laughs> not in the video. <laughs> Damn it. Is she actually Scientologist or was she doing it for a bit? No, I don't think so. I think that was just a oh, bit yeah. of a lie. You know how the press likes to make up Scientology. Their, their lies. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, hit me with your best, worst, all oh. the rest of it. Your score. Um I'm gonna say Worst, this is how it goes down. Yeah. Best. I've always loved Bad Influence. Yeah. I think it's going to be Bad Influence. That one was the first one that stood out to me when I first heard this as a kid. Um, Score out of 10. I reckon, like, it's definitely not... 
based on all of the songs on it, I reckon I reckon like a 6.8. I'm going to say a 6.8, maybe 7 if you got me on a good day. 7. 7. But when it's good, it's great. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Um, worst song for me is a tie between Ave Mary R. <laughs> like, why even spell it like that? It makes literally no sense. Um, and also, I never liked One Foot Wrong. Still don't like it. Yeah, no, I'm not um, not a big fan of that. Even though it's a, her experience with acid. Um, yeah. And my favourite track, this is really hard, but I think I've got to go either So What or Please Don't Leave Me. Yep. I just choose think one. they're so classic. I won't, I won't be. Angry. I've got to go So What. I feel like we always shy away from the lead single as being the best, Definitive. but just call it what it is. It's So What. And I'm also going a 7 out of 10 for this. Great. That's one of our most agreeable episodes ever. It was so agreeable. And isn't that the pink thing? She's agreeable. To be, oh, yeah, like, pink is agreeable. Likeable. That's definitely how pink can be summed <laughs> Always up. Always my understanding of pink. <laughs> <laughs> Always waving her middle finger in the air, pret- <laughs> pretending Rock like pinks. she's been protesting outside the White House for three decades. <laughs> Uh, the brand new album Trustfall is out now as well And tickets to her summer Oh my god, you don't need to plug now. it like we've been paid To do this bloody <laughs> episode plugging it on the radio Don't listen to the new album, it's really. a stinker Go and listen to Funhouse instead do what he, Whatever he said um, Thanks for jumping onto Flopstars Give us a rate and review if you like the content And also share it with a friend if they like music as well There is an enormous 74 episode Back catalogue of some of the biggest Flop albums of all time And some of the flops Including the pop-ins, so it's probably more like 50-something flop star episodes. But well, there's a that's lot of still pretty impressive. And a lot of time banging on about Pink songs. Pink hasn't dropped 74 albums. Nope. Only. <laughs> Not yet. You just yeah, wait. we got that. You you she's going to be one of the ones who's going to be on her deathbed oh, yeah. recording. I think she's literally said that. I think she was saying that she wants, she wants to be 90 and have her flesh her flesh bag just pushed into a, like a suit, a leotard and be flung around the, around the, oh. you get upset when it's a flesh bag. <laughs> 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 on the right. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> <laughs>